Radio Maria. It's Friday's Catechesis. Your word, a lamp, is a lamp to my feet. Um, where we're going to be looking at the Gospel for Sunday. And today we have with us Father Canon Mark Hackerson. Um, Father Mark, from what I understand, you are parish priest at Swatham, but you're currently in Rome. Is that right? I'm in Italy, yes. I'm, 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 I'm grabbing my Christmas break late. It had to be cancelled because of COVID earlier. So I took the opportunity to have five days away. Oh, um, so you're on Italy, your holidays. So I'm on my holiday, my Christmas holiday. Oh, thank you so, so the, much the, for the talking with us. The, the, uh, the decorations may be down, but I'm still celebrating. <laughs> thank you so much for being with us, Father Mark. Um, would you start with a prayer for us, and then we'll look forward to hearing your first section of your catechesis. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, your eternal word speaks to us through the ages. The words of your Son are a light, a lamp to our feet lighting the way that we should go, challenging the darkness in our hearts and bringing healing to our souls and our lives. Grant us the grace of that light now as we listen to the Gospel reading for this coming Sunday, that it may speak to our heart and bear fruit in our lives. We ask this through the same, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, good afternoon, and uh, it's good to be with you and to share some thoughts on the readings for this coming Sunday Mass. I'm going to begin by letting the Word of God speak to us first before I add any of my own words, because it's, after all, His Word that is a light to our feet rather than my particular words. This is a reading from the Gospel of St. Luke. Chapter 4. Jesus began to speak in the synagogue. This text, he said, is being fulfilled today, even as you listen. And he won the approval of all, and they were astonished by the gracious words that came from his lips. They said, This is Joseph's son, surely. But he replied, no doubt you will quote me saying, Physician, heal yourself, and tell me, We have heard all that happened in Capernaum. Do the same here in your own countryside. And he went on, I tell you solemnly, 
No prophet is ever accepted in his own country. There were many widows in Israel, I can assure you, in Elijah's day, when heaven remained shut for three years and six months, and a great famine raged throughout the land. But Elijah was not sent to any one of these. He was sent to a widow at Zarephath, a Sidonian town. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many lepers in Israel, but none of these was cured except the Syrian Naaman. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They sprang to their feet and hustled him out of the town, and they took him up to the brow of the hill their town was built on, intending to throw him down the cliff. But he slipped through the crowd and walked away. This Sunday's Gospel is one of those that follows on immediately from the Gospel that we heard last Sunday. And really, it's uncomfortable to split it, to divide it. But whoever was responsible for um, providing us with the lecture at least gave us a sort of lap over from last week. The first part of today's Gospel, as I'm sure you remember, was the last part of the Gospel that we heard last Sunday. I want to just start with that first, because to me it's very, very important. Jesus began to speak in the synagogue, and he said, this text is being fulfilled today, even as you listen. If you remember, the text that he was quoting was written many years before by the prophet Isaiah. Many, many years before. The prophet Isaiah was saying, I have been anointed by the Lord to bring the good news of salvation, to bring the good news of God's love to those who stand in need of it. Jesus takes those words and he places them at the very beginning of his public ministry in Luke's Gospel. And he, Luke places that the beginning of that ministry in Jesus' hometown, in the synagogue, in a place where one would expect to find him on the Sabbath. Anyway, it was his custom to be there. But Jesus takes these words, reading them from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and then when he, he sits down and he begins to speak, and he said these words, these words that were spoken first in the distant past, these words are spoken afresh to you today, here and now in Nazareth, in this synagogue. And here and now in this synagogue, they are being fulfilled. Last Sunday, and they were spoken again in our churches as we celebrated Mass. And again, Those words were being fulfilled even as we heard them. Because those words are being fulfilled in any place, any time, any situation in which the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is being proclaimed. Not just in words, but in actions, in the way that Christians 
are living their lives, in the way that Christians are reaching out with the good news, in the way that Christians are reaching out to captives, in the way that Christians are reaching out with new insight to those who are blind, literally or figuratively. That word is being fulfilled here and now. In words from elsewhere in the scriptures, the word of God is a living word. It's alive and it's active. It's never a past utterance. It's always a living reality in the present. Take to this Sunday's prophecy from Isaiah, the first reading for this Sunday. It's from the book of Jeremiah. He writes, In the days of Josiah, the word of the Lord was addressed to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came to birth, I consecrated you, and I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. As Jeremiah says, those words were spoken first to him in the days of Josiah. But those words were words with which Jesus himself would have been familiar. Those words were words which would have resounded surely in his heart and mind as he began to preach on that occasion in the synagogue in Nazareth and elsewhere during his ministry. That awareness that he had been chosen and appointed by God, consecrated, anointed with the Holy Spirit. This follows on immediately, this event in today's Gospel follows on immediately after the baptism of Jesus, where we saw him anointed with the Holy Spirit as the Christ, immediately after his temptation in the desert. So he is aware that he has been consecrated and appointed as a prophet to the nations. And as he begins his ministry, he's aware of the challenges that face him, just as there were challenges that faced just just Jeremiah. And so the words that follow, so now brace yourself for action. Stand up and tell them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed at their presence, or in their presence I will make you dismayed. They will fight against you, but they shall not overcome you because I am with you to deliver you. So those words, in one sense, spoken first to Jeremiah, were spoken afresh to Jesus himself, and were words that were full of meaning, and, fu- and full of meaning in the present in which he heard them. And so to us today, because we too are consecrated. We too, through our baptism and confirmation, have been anointed with the Holy Spirit as prophets, priests, and kings. And we too are called to brace ourselves for action and to be prepared to speak the word of the Lord to our generation. Okay, so we share in the mission of Jesus, and we share, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, I don't know, um, We share the same obstacles as we seek to speak them to the men and women amongst whom we live today.
So you see, the word of the Lord is always something in the present, always something alive and active. And though these words may first have been written and spoken way in the distant past, they are present to us today and have the same force that they had all those years ago. The mission that I spoke that Jesus proclaims in last Sunday's Gospel is being fulfilled in us, or at least I hope it's being filled in us today. That's why the Word of God is, so, is, is spoken in our liturgy, why we sit down and we listen as the Word of God is read to us, a living voice with all the immediacy that that suggests, a voice that we cannot shut out, although we can shut our minds to it, but a voice that demands to be heard. So we hear the word of God, and it is a present and a living reality with us. I made some notes here, and some of them sounded rather pompous. Um, and some of them sounded rather, rather, rather strained. But I just wrote here, the word of God that first resounded on the waters at the beginning of creation resounds within the community of the church as we open our hearts and our minds to that word that is being spoken to us in the liturgy of the word. At Mass. So, having recapped a little on the end of last week's Gospels, which, as I said, is the beginning of this week, let's look at the reaction of those people who hear Jesus speaking in the synagogue. And let's try and discern what our reactions are to those same words as we hear them spoken to us today and to the reactions of those around us. Let's be aware not only of our own reception of those words, but of what the reception of other people might be if, after all, we are called to echo those words, to speak those words, to share those words ourselves. Now, first of all, as he spoke, it says, he won the approval of all, and they were astonished by the gracious words that came from his lips. Those first words of Jesus are appreciated by all. They love it. They want to hear more. And not only that, but remember where he is. He's in Nazareth. He's in his hometown, and he's recognized as one of them. They say, this is Joseph's son, surely. This is Joseph's son, and yet here he is amongst us, and not only does he read well, but he's speaking words that are full of grace, full of meaning, words that warm and touch our hearts. My goodness, one of us as well. He's recognized um, as a member of that local community. So at this point, their hearts are open to him. Their hearts and minds are open. They want to hear more. 
But Jesus is aware of what's in their hearts, as so often he is in the scriptures. He's aware of their weaknesses. He's also aware of their strengths as well. But he's aware of where their thoughts may lead them. That initial thought, this is Joseph's son, surely. This is one of us. This is our neighbor, our friend. And we've already heard a bit about him. We've heard what he's been doing in Capernaum and around there. Just imagine, he's come home now, and imagine what he's going to do here. Those thoughts may begin to limit Jesus' ministry. They may begin to, to make him their own, and in making him their own, to somehow close their minds to more uncomfortable, more unsettling thoughts that his preaching and his teaching and his actions may bring about. Jesus knows this. And so, in an extraordinary about turn, it's almost as though he sets out to provoke them. He sets out to anger them. He sets out to destroy that um, benevolence with which they have begun to listen to what he is saying. And he says, no doubt, you will quote me saying, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, we have heard all that happened in Capernaum. Do the same here in your own countryside. And he went on, I tell you solemnly, no prophet is ever accepted in his own country. So Jesus is challenging, really challenging and provoking people who from the first, at the first glance are his friends, are his neighbors, and are people who are well disposed to him. And so therein lies a challenge for us as well. Because if we're listening to this program and this meditation now, if I haven't lost you already by boring you or by too many words, if you're hearing these words on Sunday at Mass, preparing yourself for it, then you are already people well disposed to Jesus, open to hear his words. Finding in him a friend, a neighbor, someone with whom you can be intimate, someone whom you can look upon and call a friend. And Jesus is perhaps challenging us too, not to become too comfortable in that, not to become too comfortable, not to allow ourselves to be led down that dangerous path by which we claim Jesus as our own, and in so doing, begin to close our minds and our hearts, more importantly, to what he is about to say to us. I think it's a good point here just to pause and listen to some music and try and suggest what I've been saying. 
or more importantly, what Jesus is saying to us by that challenge in the gospel that we've just heard. Thank you so much, Father Canon Mark. Um, I'm going to play some music in a moment um, just to reassure you that uh, Father Mark is on a telephone and it can't be easy to speak to us on telephone. Um, Your words are really interesting and thought-provoking, so thank you. I'll put some music on now. I hope you can hear them clearly. I can can hear and I'm sure our listeners can too. We'll be back with you in a moment. Listening to Radio Maria, Friday's Catechesis, Your Word is a Lamp to My Feet. We have Canon Mark Hackerson, and he is going to continue talking about this week's Gospel. Over to you, Father Mark. Hello, hello again. I'm in, I'm in Italy, um, not too far from Rome, and I suppose being here, I've been, I, my thoughts are cast back to when I was here at seminary. And in the light of today's gospel and what I've been saying, my thoughts go to the man who, at the time I was studying canon law, was the dean of canon law at the Gregorian University, Father Navarrete. Father Navarrete was was a delightful man, a very erudite, very learned man. And um, but I, what I remember most about him is he had an incredibly engaging smile, and. One day he came into lectures and he was grinning from ear to ear. And uh, he told us that the reason for his, his, his grin, the reason that he was smiling, was that he had just been informed that in his hometown 
in Spain or his home village, they had just named a plaza or a square after him because his fame and his uh, and his reputation in his town was so was so good that they wanted to honour one of their, if you like, their their finest sons. And so they decided that the honor they would bestow on Father Navarrete was to create a plaza Navarrete. Now, I've no idea which village or town it was. I'm afraid I can't remember. It's a long, long time ago. But whoever you're in Spain, you come across a plaza Father Navarrete, then you'll know who I'm talking about. But he was one of his village's sons. He was a villager whom people were proud to count as their own, who they were honoured to think of. He was one of them. He came from their town. They lived with him. They knew him. He may not have been Joseph's son, but he was somebody's son in that town. And it's a way of, in one sense, being proud of someone who has made good. It's a way of honouring that person, and it's a way of claiming him. He's ours. He's ours. And so there is something of that, I think, possibly behind those words that the people of Nazareth say when they hear Jesus speaking, this is Joseph's son, surely. They've heard about him. He's already making a splash, and he hasn't really begun his, his ministry, but he's already gaining a certain notoriety. They've heard of things that he's already done in Capernaum, a town to which he's going to return after leaving them. Um, so he's already made, he's a bit of a celebrity to use modern words, so they're glad to claim him as their own. And perhaps in claiming him as their own, they might, they, perhaps they're thinking behind those words that Jesus attributes to them. We've heard all that about that happened in Capernaum. Now do the same here. Remember, you're here. You're at home amongst your own. What you did in Capernaum is fine, but come on. We're your people. We're your family. Um, we're your neighbors. We're the people amongst whom you grew up. Um, so surely, surely, not only will you do the same things here, but maybe, hopefully, surely do even greater things, because you're our. We're your family, we're your neighbors, and we're your friends. That sounds very human, and in itself, perhaps not a problem. But it can be the thin end of the wedge. If we begin to claim Jesus as our own, there is a danger that we begin to make him our property, that we begin to lay claim on him at the expense of his mission, not only to us, but to other people. If we lay claim on him as ours, then there's a danger that that claim becomes an exclusive one. We see this in the Gospel on other occasions. In fact, uh, after he leaves Nazareth, after the, the, this account, this, this event that we're hearing about in this Sunday's Gospel, he goes to Capernaum. And there, 
you know, he works great miracles, and people are gathering in crowds to see and to hear him, to be healed by him, to touch him, and they want to hold on to him. They want to hold on to him. And he actually has to say, no, now we need to go somewhere else, you know, not just here to to preach the gospel, to preach the good news where it's accepted. I need to go to other towns and other places as well. On the Mount of Transfiguration, in another very human moment, Peter tries to hold on to Jesus, to hold on to that moment where he's seen Jesus in glory. You know, let's build three tents that we can stay here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He wants to prolong that moment, to hold on to Jesus. But Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem, and they must come down from the mountain and carry on that journey. But that very human desire to prolong the moment that we hear in Peter's words uh, is a very natural response. And, but Jesus cannot allow them to hold on to him in that way. Jesus cannot allow their claim on him to restrict his ministry, to hold him up in what he needs to do, what is the Father's will. Um, even after his resurrection, we see it in Mary Magdalene when, when she reaches out to touch him and he says, do not touch me, do not cling to me, because it's not yet complete. I haven't ascended to my Father in heaven. A very human reaction. Um, and in one sense, a, a lovely reaction, but it cannot be allowed to stand in the way of the mission of Jesus or indeed in our discipleship of him and our participation in that mission. So Jesus challenges on that. Challenges them on it. No doubt you will say to me, what you've done in Capernaum, do here. But I tell you, I'm not just here for you. There were many widows in Israel, I can assure you, in Elijah's day, when heaven remained shut for three years and six months, and a great famine raged throughout the land. But Elijah was sent to a Sidonian woman at Sarephath. And in Elijah's time, it was the Syrian Naaman who was cured. The good news I have come to bring is is for you, but not just for you. It is for many others. And you cannot lay claim to me and claim exclusive rights over the message that I bring, over the mission that I have been given. My mission is as a prophet to the nations, not just to the people of Israel, not just to the people of Nazareth. So Jesus challenges that. And the people don't like that challenge. They don't like that challenge. It's worth remembering that in the when we celebrate Mass, some words came to mind as I was just speaking this to you, which is, Remember, at the consecration of the precious blood in the chalice, or the consecration, 
and the consecration of the body of Christ, the host, the words of Jesus are, this is my body, which will be given up for you. And I always want people to hear those words, for you. Potentially, these words, this sacrifice is offered for you. But in the consecration of the precious blood, we're reminded that this sacrifice is not something that we can claim exclusively for ourselves. Because the words of Jesus there are, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many. Or as the Latin would say, and for a whole multitude. The love of God, the good news of God, is overwhelming. It's, It's for you, but not just for you but for many. And the words of the consecration, again, are a challenge to us, a challenge to us to be mindful of the universal mission of Christ to bring God's love, God's healing, God's forgiveness to the whole of humanity. Sometimes I'm afraid, as human beings, I admit it myself, I like to think I have exclusive rights. And I am someone special. Well, I am, and so are you. But special amongst so many who are special. The other danger that Jesus identifies and challenges of claiming Jesus as one's own is that one begins to close oneself off to the challenge that comes with his teaching. One becomes, one is in danger of becoming selectively deaf, or rather deliberately deaf to some of his challenges, some of his teaching, to be angered when he speaks to our hearts and minds of things that must change things that we must address with the help of his grace and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So often, when we are challenged about our faults, our first reaction as human beings in our hurt is to be angry and is to throw an accusation back at the person who is challenging us. Father Mark, can you hear me okay? Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry if I have interrupted you there. The line is still, we can still hear you, but it was just getting a little bit more crumbly. So can I suggest that we go to some music and then it may be worth, I'm going to just check with the people here, it might be worth just ringing in again. Father Mark, we might be able to get a a better line. Would you mind doing that? And I'll put some music on. I'll let people know where where to call. Do you have time for a question? Yes, I do. After the music. Thank you so much. I will be with you in a moment.
be the sun shining in our darkness. May love fill the lives of our children. May love be our strength to live a life of justice. May love be our call to live the kingdom. So you are listening to Friday's Catechesis and this evening we have with us um, Father Canon Mark Hackerson and um, we have one question for you Father Mark, I hope you can hear me clearly um, and that is um, how do we read the Gospel with regard to what you've spoken about? Read the Gospel as though it's Jesus speaking to you, to us not as an account of what he said to other people in the past, but to try and find an echo in the reactions of people um, who are hearing his words in the past, in perhaps what is happening in our lives and in our reactions to things. So to, to be brave enough to admit where perhaps we fall into the same errors that people did at the time, and to trust in the love of Jesus that is actually behind everything, even behind the most challenging words. His desire, he came to save us. He came to bring us to life and light. And those words of challenge are never words of rejection. They are words to, uh, to challenging us to open our hearts and our minds to receive them. So to remember that this is not an account of the past. This is Jesus speaking to us here and now. Thank you. Um, Father Mark, uh, can I just say thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and to offer so many thought-provoking things to ponder before we go to Mass on Sunday, whilst on your break in Rome, with the challenge of the telephone as well. Thank you very much. Um, would oh, you? Would thank you. you would you be able to finish with a prayer and a blessing for us? Yes, of course. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for your patience and writing to the challenge of the phone as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It wasn't what was planned originally. You did really well. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd like to end as, to make the words of the, some of the words of the responsorial psalm from Sunday's Mass our prayer okay and let because these these psalms were the prayers that jesus himself would have used so let's make them our own 
In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Free me. Pay heed to me and save me. Be a rock where I can take refuge, a mighty stronghold to save me. For you are my rock, my stronghold. Free me from the hand of the wicked. It is you, O Lord, who are my hope, my trust, O Lord, since my youth. On you I have leaned from my birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my help. My lips will tell of your justice, and day by day of your help. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I proclaim your wonders still. May the Lord bless you this coming Sunday. May he bless you and your families in the week ahead. May you always hear his words of love, his words of invitation, his words of life and freedom speaking to your hearts. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Friday's Catechesis, Your Word is a Lamp to My Feet, um, that has been brought to us from Rome today. And thank you to Father Canon Mark Hackerson.